Father, as we look again to Lamentations tonight, uh, we see a great deal of, of suffering, but it's, it's purposeful suffering. It's, Father, it is hard uh, to read sometimes, but Lord, it's, it's your word, and you have great and good purpose for it tonight. Father, I'm re- reminded tonight as I look upon the suffering that your people experienced uh, at the hands of the Babylonians for their sin, Lord, we have a Savior tonight who was sinless and who was willing to suffer at the hand of the Romans for not his sin, but for our sin. Lord, thank you so very much. I pray, Father, tonight that um, we be reminded of the consequences of sin, the great and uh, often horrible consequences of sin. And Lord, that um, we be reminded tonight that you desire to sanctify uh, a people unto yourself. Lord, you have called us out from the world Uh, into this assembly to be separate, to be available to you, to be made holy by you. Lord, thank you for all of the privileges that we enjoy. Uh, Work here tonight, Father, please. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Lamentations chapter 4 tonight. Is that where you are? Lamentations chapter 4. So it's been been a couple of weeks, I guess. We had uh, Brother Schwanke here uh, last Wednesday night with his family. That was a great blessing. I uh, hope you were able to be here for that. Uh, if not, Rich, we'll, we'll have them back again, uh, Lord willing. Uh, Lord willing, we will. Uh, I think I included in my email today uh, just a quick uh, note from them, uh, a thank you for your hospitality and, and generosity toward them. Uh, they're very grateful. Uh, they were a blessing to us, Mike, but we were able to be a blessing to them also, to show them some love too. Uh, a little bit of love goes a long ways. Amen. So, um, with that said, Lamentations chapter 4. So uh, let's just take a half a step back here. You recall that uh, it would appear the writer of Lamentations is Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah, of course, being a prophet who prophesied uh, to Judah, uh, Brother Ray, really against Judah, right, as, as God gave him the words to speak to warn uh, the people of Jerusalem that they're in the south in Judah regarding their sin, warning them and warning them and warning them, hey, uh, you need to get right with the Lord. There's going to be these great consequences. And of course, people, uh, for the most part, did not get right, and they suffered uh, the great consequence. Uh, I don't mean good, Rich. Well, it's good in that the Lord used it to correct them. Uh, the consequence of, of the Babylonians coming and, and laying siege over a period of time and uh, carrying away the people of Judah and Jerusalem uh, in several waves, but one final wave that, that really decimated uh, Jerusalem. And uh, Jeremiah is, is witness to this. And it would seem to be the case that he now is, has gone into the captivity uh, with them. And, of course, the Lord has used him to write the book of Jeremiah uh, together with um, this uh, book of poetry, uh, this, this book of Hebrew poetry, um, five uh, dirges, if you will, five great laments uh, of what people have suffered. And, and you recall, we see here that um, in these poems, uh, Jeremiah pictures uh, the people now in the captivity in Babylon, uh, first as a mourning widow, that was chapter one, right? Uh, then as a weeping daughter, that, that was chapter two. And the last chapter was the, the really long one, right? 66 verses, uh, as a weeping man. Uh, and then tonight, uh, you see uh, several times in the first two verses, Mike references to gold. And really, the, I think the idea is that uh, the people are pictured now as tarnished gold, right? This greatly 
people who were greatly valued by the Lord, chosen uh, by him and, and precious in his sight, but who now, in, in a sense, are, are tarnished. They're under the corrective hand of the Lord and uh, certainly not in the place, uh, not being used of God the way he desired. There's a, uh, a tarnish upon them, if you will. And uh, if you've read ahead, uh, and hope you have, if you haven't, it's okay, but uh, this is a tough chapter. The, the consequences of sin that you see in this chapter uh, are really tough, but I want to want you to see the end, uh, the final verse, and then we'll go back to the beginning. Uh, this ends uh, in a very um, wonderfully hopeful place. We praise God for that. Uh, verse 22 um, and 23 are a prophecy. Well, I should say verse 22. There is no verse 23. Uh, verse 22 says this, uh, the punishment of thine iniquity is what? What's the next word? Accomplished. So at the, at the end of, of, of this lament and all that Jeremiah records, uh, he records these words from the Lord. Brother Ray, what's he saying? Um, hey, the, the, the hand of God that has come upon you to correct you, which is loving, by the way, and, and gracious, um, God has, he's accomplished this. The punishment of thine iniquity is accomplished, O daughter of Zion. And then these very encouraging words, he will no more carry thee away into captivity. Of course, the, the people of the north were carried uh, off into the Assyrian captivity. If I asked you when, you'd say 722 B.C., faster. Uh, people of Judah now, 586 uh, B.C., carried off into the Babylonian captivity. Uh, but as they receive these words from Jeremiah, uh, there's this very encouraging prophecy here. He will no more carry thee away into captivity he will visit thine iniquity. Um, and then he, he speaks to the, the enemy people of Edom. O daughter of Edom, he will discover thy sins. So Lord turns his corrective attention to the people of Edom uh, in that prophecy. So Mike, the, the people are there in uh, Babylon as, as they've received these words. Um, and Jeremiah's lament would have been tough for them to receive, no doubt. They've experienced this. But there's all of these wonderful uh, strains of hope woven through all of the lament here. Uh, God is accomplishing what he needs to accomplish amongst his people. Uh, and when he's done, there will be no more need uh, for a correction uh, this severe. Now, Gary, I'm mindful that um, the Lord has uh, allowed great trials amongst uh, the Jewish people uh, through history. I mean, even in modern history, right, time of World War II, uh, there, there was just uh, almost unspeakable trials that, that fell upon the Jewish people. We, we know that. But um, God has said this particular horror that people experienced um, as a result of their So God would not do this again. Uh, he's done. Zach, can you think of another time when God uh, judged people and then promised, hey, I'm not going to do that again? The flood, right? The flood was a global, catastrophic flood. Um, uh, all but how many died? All but how many? See, Noah and his wife, three sons and their wives, eight. Uh, everyone else died. The Lord said, that's it, not, not going to do that again. What's the symbol that God gave to remind that uh, he would not do that again? 
the rainbow. That's, that's the meaning of the rainbow, right? So, uh, yeah, uh, praise God. There, there has, God has used various severe forms of judgment and correction uh, at various points in history, but he's, um, at least some of the time, uh, Brother Ray, he's, he's promised that, that he will not do that again. So if you're there in the captivity, um, you know some things. You, you know that there's prophecy people will get back uh, home. Um, you even know the name of the one who will issue that decree. That's been prophesied also. And you know when you get back home, you're, you're not going to experience this particular form of trial again. So um, this very difficult chapter ends in an uplifting and positive and hopeful place. But along the way, it's, it's just a very difficult reminder, Mike, of, of the consequence of their sin. It's just very tragic. Uh, let's be reminded tonight that, that's, again, sin has consequences, and often uh, they're very, very tragic. Zach, can the consequences, the tragic consequences of sin, can they be avoided? They can be, right? Lord, help me. <laughs> help me yield myself to you and uh, know the filling of the Spirit of God who's available to me. Give me strength to not give in to temptation. Lord, remind me the power of sin has been broken at the cross. I'm indwelt by you, uh, the same God who spoke creation into existence. With that kind of power indwells me. Uh, and that kind of strength is available to me, Brother Ray, to not give in to sin. And so, yeah, sin has often very tragic consequences, but we don't, we don't have to experience them. Uh, verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1, Jeremiah writes, uh, How has the gold become dim? Uh, the very poetic statement here, the people pictured as gold, precious and valuable in God's eyes, but now dim, oh, I should say, I might have said Jeremiah, Lamentations 4, verse 1, uh, Lamentations uh, 4, verse 1, how has the gold become dim, uh, tarnished, very poetic statement, how has the most fine gold changed, Mike, they were the most fine gold in God's eyes, chosen and precious and uh, a people that, that he invested this process of, of perfection in, uh, and, and now they're, they're changed, they're, they're diminished, they're tarnished. He says the stones of the sanctuary uh, are poured out in the top of every street, and that, that could be poetic, rich, or, uh, or perhaps quite literal. We know the city has been destroyed. Uh, we know various um, precious stones uh, were used in the construction of the sanctuary. Uh, we know Babylon had interest in taking uh, those things, but perhaps some were literally just uh, spilled into the streets in the uh, fog of war, certainly conceivable. This is poetic language, but it's, it's poetic language that, that pictures uh, a people who have been uh, greatly affected, greatly tarnished, if you will, uh, in God's eyes. Uh, next verse sort of builds on this imagery. The precious sons of Zion... Uh, verse 2, so Zion will be a reference to Jerusalem, uh, comparable to fine gold, so three times now a, a poetic reference to the people as gold, precious, chosen, refined by the Lord, but now tarnished by him. The precious sons of Zion, comparable to fine gold, uh, how are they esteemed uh, as earthen pitchers, uh, the work of the hands of the potter? Uh, Zach, I think that um, clay pots, 
probably were not viewed as precious, valuable, uh, as, as fine gold, right? There, there, there's a difference there. Uh, turn back to Jeremiah 18. Uh, turn back to Jeremiah 18. You probably remember uh, the Lord pictures the people as clay uh, in his hands or upon his wheel with uh, himself being the potter. There's some language here, of course, in, in Jeremiah 18. So here, uh, back in chapter 18 of the book of Jeremiah, uh, same man, uh, the writer of Lamentations, is uh, giving warning, warning that, hey, repent. Judgment is coming if you don't. And here uh, he, he prophesies very poetically these words from the Lord. Uh, Jeremiah 18, verse 1, the, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee uh, to hear my words. Well, I think the Lord literally had him to go to a potter's house. Uh, then, verse 3, I went down, the Lord said, and he did. Uh, then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love to see clay on a pottery wheel and just to see how, how they work and might form a, a lump of clay into this you know, marvelous thing. I, I always wanted to try that. I don't think I'd probably be very good at it, but uh, I've always marveled at that. Um, it's this sort of miraculous thing that, that you witness. Uh, so here, uh, he wrought a work on the wheels. He's making some uh, vessel on the pottery wheel. Verse 4, uh, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Rich, what does that mean? It was marred in the hand of the potter. It was distorted or, or crushed or, or destroyed, somehow distorted. Uh, so he made it again, another vessel, and it seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord uh, came to, to me saying, O house of Israel, can I, let me try that again, cannot I do with you as this potter saith the Lord, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye uh, in mine hand, O house of Israel. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, Lord, uh, the Lord had them in his hand or upon his wheel. Brother Ray, he is the one who has chosen them uh, and formed them into the nation that he uh, has desired. Uh, but as the result of, of their sin, he's also the one who's able to mar them, uh, to tarnish them or, or to mar them as clay might be marred by a potter who was dissatisfied with the way a vessel, uh, a pot, uh, came out. Uh, how dissatisfied Zach, do you suppose the Lord was with how Israel had turned out at this point? Pretty dissatisfied, I would think. And uh, he says, yeah, my, I'm, I'm going to mar you upon the wheel, and we, we're going to need to kind of build you back up uh, again. And so you get to verse 2 here in our passage. There we go. The precious sons of Zion, comparable to fine gold. Uh, how are they esteemed as earthen pitchers, the works of the hand of the potter? Um, I think the, the imagery is used a, a little bit differently here. I think the idea here is that while they had been esteemed by the Lord as fine gold, Brother Ray, now their value as a people who have refused to repent, as a people who are under the Lord's corrective hand, not in the land, uh, but, but, but in, in a place of, of judgment, their, their value uh, is greatly reduced at this time. Uh, no longer are they fine gold in the Lord's sight. They're, they're, they're esteemed by him more like earthen pitchers. Still have some value, still have some potential use, 
But right now, Brother Mike, they're really more like that marred vessel, the one that the potter said, no, I kind of need to start again and, and work them back up from, from the ground. And so uh, this is the imagery. This is the imagery. This is, this is not a good thing. Uh, Zach, uh, like a vessel might be set upon a shelf also maybe. And of course, we know that there's New Testament principle where if we refuse to get right, the Lord may set us on the shelf, right? Not, not bringing our salvation into question, but bringing our usability to the Lord uh, to a place where we're, we're, we're just not usable. So lots, lots of sim, sim, symbolism here, lots of imagery. Um, verse 3 is a, is a really difficult verse. It's, it's graphic. Uh, even the sea monsters um, or sea creatures draw out the breast. Uh, they give suck to their young ones, um, whereas, I think there, there's a point of contrast here, the daughter of my people is become cruel uh, like the ostriches in the wilderness. Now, Ostriches, I don't know if you, if you recall, uh, were they considered clean or unclean under the Old Testament law? Uh, not something you think about every day, right? They were, they were viewed as unclean under the Old Testament law. And so uh, there's a sense in which as, the, as that terrible siege uh, uh, of Babylon upon Jerusalem uh, became worse and worse and worse, and you remember people were deprived of food, uh, the mothers uh, got to a worse and worse place, Brother Ray. Uh, and, and what is pictured here is, is pretty bad. Turn over to uh, verse 10. Verse 10 uh, reiterates the, just the unthinkable place that, that moms had resorted to as that famine uh, worsened in the final days of the siege of Jerusalem. Verse 10, the hands of the pitiful woman have sodden their own children. They were their meat in the destruction of the daughter of my people. You understand those verses? That's not good. That's not good. Now, Mike, I know this is poetry, and you know I'd, I'd like to think that that is only poetry, that nothing horrific is being stated there, but I, I fear that that is not the case. Uh, I think there's, while this is poetry, that there's a literal history uh, being recorded there in their terrible desperation uh, in the final days of, of this siege when uh, the choice between eating your own child and, and dying brought them to a place that is really, un I almost said un almost unthinkable, but rather a really unthinkable to, to us today, Tru truly unthinkable. But... Um, that, that is the, the, the depth of despair that, that the people were in uh, during the final days of, of the siege of Babylon. Zach, that's, that's an almost unthinkable place for someone to be. It's the consequence, the tragic consequence uh, of their sin. They've been warned and warned and warned, probably thought, oh yeah, we might, we might experience a little bit of suffering, a little bit of correction. Maybe we'll get a little spank kind of here and there. The Lord will hone us in a little bit somehow. It uh, won't be that bad though. Oh no, it was, it was this bad. It was, it was this bad. Uh, verse four, the tongue of the suckling uh, child cleaveth to the roof of his mouth for thirst. The young children ask bread, no man breaketh it unto them. Uh, others just starved. Uh, Brother Ray, some, some evidently became food. Others simply starved. And it's just tragic. It's, it's unbelievably tragic. 
uh, rich people look at these verses sometimes and say, uh, how is it that this, this depth of correction could be authored by a God who is loving and gracious and merciful uh, and just? And you look at this and, and you have to weigh this against the sin of the people. Uh, what was their sin? I mean, what, their sins included what, Zach? Their sins included adultery against the Lord himself. I mean, just, just wickedness, worshiping uh, idols, uh, all kinds of just incredibly offensive uh, sin committed over the Lord by, by not a person or a group, but the nation uh, over a long period of time, despite the fact the Lord constantly warned them over a long period of time. Yeah, this consequence is tragic and almost unthinkable, but so is their sin. So is their sin. Uh, verse 5, they, did, uh, they that did feed delicately, those that used to eat like the richest people, uh, are, uh, are desolate in the streets. They that were brought up in scarlet embraced dunghills. Uh, the people that ate the best food that rich people would eat are reduced uh, to scavenging in the dumps. That's, that's how bad it got in the final days of the siege of, of Jerusalem by Babylon. Uh, verse 6, for the punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishment of the sin of Sodom. That was overthrown as in a moment, and no hand stayed uh, on her. Uh, Jeremiah says, you know, when I saw uh, this uh, terrible correction uh, continuing over days and over a long period of time, and he compared that to the destruction of Sodom, he said... Oh, Sodom fared so much better. Wasn't, Zach, wasn't Sodom just completely destroyed? Sodom and Gomorrah were just destroyed, right? But, but evidently, if, if not in a moment, in, in a day, right? Fire and brimstone rained down upon them, and, and, and they were done. I mean, they, they were done very quickly. Uh, he's saying, you know, it would have been better for us if, Mike, if, if we'd just been destroyed in a moment. The, the consequence of our sin so great it would have been better for us to have been destroyed in a, in a day uh, or in a moment as was Sodom. Sure enough, the, the consequences of sin can, can be great. Zach, think about the consequence of sin that, that we have avoided. Um, what we're seeing here tonight is almost unthinkably tragic. But stop and think about this. Do you think that it could even begin to compare to the horrors of hell? Do you, do you think this could, I mean, this is horrible. Uh, it's, it's almost like you can't believe that you find these, these verses in, in your Bible, but sure enough, they're here. Yeah, the consequences of sin was horrible for the people of Judah. Brother Ray, I don't, I don't think even these tragic things can begin to compare to the horrors of a very real hell that I deserve because of my sin. Uh, and that I would experience except for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, Zach, I don't think I can begin to compare uh, anything that I've suffered to what Christ suffered for me. I just, I can't, I can't begin to imagine what he suffered for me, uh, that I might avoid the unimaginable horrors of hell. But he did. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. As I look at these things here, I, I can't help but think about the hell that I deserve. 
uh, and that I would experience if not for you, Lord. Thank you so much for uh, enduring the horrors of the cross that I not endure, that I not need to uh, endure the horrors of hell. And I don't know about you, but verses like this take me to that place, and, and I can get very grateful and very thankful very quickly. Uh, Lord, thank you. Uh, verse 7, there's a reference here to the Nazarites, those who would take a vow uh, of special uh, separation from uh, sinfulness, Brother Ray, or things that were considered ceremonially unclean under the law. Uh, even the Nazarites uh, who were present in Jerusalem at this time uh, suffered the terrible consequences of sin. Her Nazarites uh, were purer than snow. They were whiter than milk. They were more ruddy in their bodies than rubies. Uh, their polishing was of sapphire. That all sounds great. Uh, now their visage is blacker than a coal. Not so great now. Uh, they are not known in the streets. Their skin cleaveth to their bones. That's certainly not a picture of blessings. Uh, it is withered. It has become like a stick. Uh, great consequences. And Mike, I don't know. Uh, I think this verse might be pointing to the fact that the, the sin of the people had great consequences even for those who were attempting to live uh, a life that was consecrated unto the Lord. Uh, and we've talked about that a lot too, right? Sin affects us personally, affects me personally, but uh, you, you can't sin and think that it's not going to affect both you uh, and the people around you. I think this, that's uh, in view here in verses 7 and, and 8. Uh, verse 9, uh, they that be slain with the sword are better than they that be with hunger. Uh, Jeremiah observes, would have been better uh, for us to be slain in a battle with the Babylonians than to suffer uh, the horror of, of this hunger uh, as they starved us to weaken us. Uh, in, in the final days of their siege of Jerusalem. Uh, for these pine away stricken uh, through for want of the fruits uh, of the field. We read verse 10, if it's okay with you, I'm, I'm not gonna read it again, it's, it's just too difficult. Uh, verse 11, the Lord hath accomplished his fury. Uh, and so Gary, here, here's a very clear reminder that none of this was random. Uh, this is the corrective hand of God, his program for uh, the correction of his people who had marred themselves with sin uh, before the Lord marred them for their correction. The Lord hath accomplished his fury. He hath poured out his fierce anger uh, and hath kindled the fire in Zion. Remember Zion's Jerusalem. Uh, and it hath devoured the foundations thereof. Yeah, uh, God is a just God, and uh, he's God of, of, of justice and correction. Uh, this, this is consistent with the justice of God. Zach, uh, you know, you look at these verses here tonight, and, and you know, this is one of those chapters that, that you just have to step back and say, hey, any of this doesn't seem right to me. If any of this seems unjust to me, if any of this seems unloving to me, I just have to back away and say, God, you're God and I'm not. Uh, you are just, you are loving, you are righteous, uh, you, you, are, you are glorious, uh, you are gracious, you are merciful. If, if I can't see that in these verses, Lord, I, I just step back and I, and I choose uh, to cling to your attributes as they're revealed without scripture. And, and Lord, I, I, I choose to see that none of this 
is incompatible with who you are uh, or what you're like. You are a God who loves his people enough to correct them, and you know how much correction is required. Um, you, have to, you have to just say something like that to yourself, please. Um, verse 12 is, is kind of where it takes me, Brother Mike. I'm, I'm not at all surprised to see verse 12. I'm surprised to see many of the other verses here. Uh, but in verse 12, Jeremiah basically says, you know what? Nobody in the world would have ever expected to see the things that have transpired in Jerusalem as a result of, of the people's sin and, and God's correction. Uh, yeah, I mean, who, whoever would have thought that the corrective hand of God could be this strong, that, that a spank would need to be this strong. Verse 12, he says, the kings of the earth and all the inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adversary and the enemy should have entered into the gates of Jerusalem. Yeah, the, the enemy who is um, not, not Jerusalem is, is uh, Babylon. No one could have ever believed that Babylon would enter into the gates of Jerusalem, uh, take the gold, take the jewels, uh, ruin the city, mar the city, drag away the people. Nobody ever could have imagined that. Uh, and sure enough, that has happened in, in so much more uh, unthinkable tragedy. Well, God knows Brother Ray, God knew what it would take to correct his people, to reshape them into the nation uh, that he desired them to be, that he needs them to be uh, for his purposes. Um, it, it doesn't get better here before it gets, uh, before it gets uh, worse in the next chapter. Um, you know what I mean. There's, there's just so much here. Um, Verses 13 and 14, Jeremiah laments the, the sin of the, the leaders, uh, the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Uh, 13, for the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests that have shed the blood of the just uh, in the midst of her. There's a reference, there's allusion there to murder. Brother Ray, their, their religious leaders uh, had got to a place in, in their own sin where they're committing murder for various purposes, I'm sure. They've wandered as blind men in the streets. They've polluted themselves with blood so that men could not touch uh, their garments. Uh, their sin became so bad, people called for them to depart. Just go, uh, get out of our sight. Uh, and this, this would be part of the reason for um, the judgment that we're seeing described here. Even the leaders, the religious leaders of the people of Judah um, are they've, they've stooped so low as to commit murder. What is murder? What is it? Unjust killing, right? So there could be just killing, but murder by definition is, is unjust, right? Uh, they've shed the blood of the just in the midst of her. So by definition, that their actions were unjust, right? That's murder. Their religious leaders have stooped to murder, uh, yeah, the Lord needs to correct his people very, very harshly. The people, the people are so disgusted that they, they just want them to leave. Verse 15, the, the people, they cried unto them, Depart ye, all of you, it is unclean. Depart, depart, ch touch not. When they fled away and wandered, they said among the heathen, They shall no more so sojourn there. Uh, verse 16, the anger of the Lord hath divided them. Uh, he will no more regard them. 
they respected not the person of the priests, they favored not the elders. Um, the entire social fabric, Rich, of Judah and, and Jerusalem, it just unraveled. It, it unraveled um, under the weight of the sin of the people, and, and Brother Ray, what, what began to unravel just came fully apart as, as Babylon came in wave after wave lay, laying siege to that city. It just completely came apart at the seams in every way that it could, politically, socially, religiously, um, all, all of their, um, all, everything, their infrastructure, the, the whole thing came crashing down uh, under the weight of their sin and the hand of correction that the Lord brought upon them. Zach, would it have been gracious for God to not correct them? Would it have been loving for God to not correct them? No, it wouldn't. Uh, no, it wouldn't. They, they needed to be broken down and, and started over again. Brother Ray, it's hard to believe that, that uh, a city could get to that place, that a nation could get to that place. Uh, but we know, I'll say again tonight, that Zach, before... Uh, before this happened in, in history, the whole world got to that place, right? The flood is about the same, the same thing, right? The flood is judgment upon the whole world for uh, a just you know, unthinkable sin uh, that filled the world at that time. Listen, I don't, I don't want to dwell on this thought tonight, and I, I may have said something like this recently, forgive me if I had. When you read the, the description of the sin of Noah's day, does it sound that much different than today? It really doesn't, right? It really doesn't. Gary, say again. I, I mean, right, and we may, have, we may have said something like this recently, but right, you look at the description in Scripture versus what you see you know, in front of our eyes on the news today. Today might be worse, right? And so any day that, that we don't suffer incredible judgment of God uh, as a nation, uh, as a world, uh, is, is an incredible act of grace. It's an incredible expression of, of God's grace. We know the tribulation is coming, but there could be an awful lot of judgment before that. Go ahead. I took us there, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, and wickedness is un, it's unthinkable. Right. And, and yet you got to pull back from it and say, hey, this is to be expected. This is consistent with prophecy. We say this all the time, right? We'll say it again quickly tonight. Uh, it's, it's proof of the truth of Scripture. Uh, and nothing that anyone else is doing out there prevents me from serving the Lord, loving him, living for him, uh, accomplishing the things that he has for my life, experiencing his blessings in, in my life and uh, in my family and, and seeing a church bless. Nothing uh, out there prevents us from accomplishing what, what God has for us and prevents his blessings in our lives. To, don't forget that. Don't, don't, don't forget that. So I took us down that, that rabbit trail. Forgive me. Uh, but you almost can't. You almost can't not go there for a moment. Uh, verse 17, as, as for us, our eyes as yet failed for our vain help. In our watching, we have watched for a nation 
uh, that, that could not save us. Probably an allusion here to their uh, historical efforts to look for some nation that would rescue them. And of course, that's probably Egypt, um, probably Egypt um, in view here. Um, they looked in vain for help. They, they thought to, at least. Uh, there, there was no opportunity uh, for that to happen. No, no time, really. Um, in the final days of the Babylonian conquest, the, the people had been hunted in the streets and dragged off. We know that. Verse 18, they hunt our steps that we cannot go in our streets. Our end is near. Our days are fulfilled for our end is come. Yeah, that, can you imagine? Can you even imagine? Uh, our persecutors are swifter than the eagles of the heaven. They pursued us upon the mountains. They laid wait for us in the wilderness. Yep, the people were hunted down by the Babylonians, pursued by them, taken captive uh, off to the captivity uh, in, in Babylon. Uh, Jeremiah remarked on how the people um, had lamented uh, the capture of their king. Uh, extra bonus points if you can remember the last king of Judah. I'll give you a clue. It starts with a Z. Thank you, sir. Uh, I don't, how many bonus points do you want for that? See me after. Uh, Zedekiah, final king of Judah. The breath of our nostril, verse 20. The anointed of... Um, what does it say? Uh, verse 20. Forgive me. I think I've corrupted it in my notes. But... but um, the breath of our nostrils, the anointed of the Lord, there we go, was taken uh, in their pits of whom we said, under his shadow we shall live among uh, the heathen. There's some things there I'm not, I'm not real sure about, but the anointed of the Lord, no doubt, is a, is a reference to their last king, uh, Zedekiah. Seems to be a hope here that um, in captivity, uh, they would be allowed to sort. He would be allowed to sort of rule over them or be of some aid to them in the in the captivity. Uh, that that might be uh, the idea here. But there's um, there's certainly a lament here as well that their their final king uh, has been captured. You remember Zedekiah had uh, his own personal trials. He he was the king that was set up by Nebuchadnezzar, brother Ray, sort of a puppet. Uh, and then seems like he got a little arrogant, and the, he he was he was put down uh, by Babylon. He was he was arrested, dragged off. You remember that they forced him to watch his uh, children be executed, and then they blinded him. It seemed like they wanted that to be the last thing that he would see. Uh, I mean, just incredible wickedness, uh, in, incredible wickedness. Uh, Zedekiah had suffered all of that. Um, so there's, there's a lamenting here of, of what he's experienced, but also a hope maybe that uh, he would have some, some role in their lives, even in the captivity. Uh, <laughs> difficult stuff, really hard stuff. Um, verse 21, 22, again, they're, they're hopeful. And so we can, uh, we can come back to a, a place of, of hope. Zach, is there hope even in the, everything that we've seen tonight? Is, is there hope in those verses? Think about that for a second. All, everybody, please. Is, those verses are really difficult to read, needless to say. They're hard to study. They're hard to read. They're hard to teach. They're just really difficult. I can't, you can't, can't help but imagine what it would be like to have experienced those things. Um, 
But is there, in, in all of that unthinkable tragedy, difficulty, is there hope, Zach? Why? Yeah, because God has good purposes for that. He, he's not just letting his people go and, and do whatever forever. He's, he's not going to just let them go and do whatever forever and, and just get further and further away. No, he's, he's lovingly stepping in and correcting them with the degree of, of harshness, Brother Ray, that he knows, only he knows what is necessary God knows what it will take. He's God. He knows. And so there's great hope. There's great hope. Uh, a parent who lovingly spanks their child has a hope that uh, as they biblically correct the child, the child will be corrected. And that's, you know, that's, that's a certain hope as you, as you correct your child biblically. Uh, Lord is correcting his children um, in a godly way. But boy, it's hard. There's hope here. There, there's certainly hope. Um, in verse 21, the focus does change a bit. There's, um, in verse 22, a prophecy that the people would not experience this again, and that's good. Uh, no doubt that would be a great encouragement to the people. Uh, you saw already, because we're, we're back to where we began, at the end of verse 22, there's a reference to Edom, uh, he will visit thine iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will discover thy sins. So here's a prophecy, not against God's people, but against Edom. Let's not think for a minute. Who are these people? Uh, Edom would have been to the east uh, of the land, and they are the descendants of someone you know from Scripture. I don't think you know him personally. Um, do you remember, Rich? The, Esau, right. So... Uh, the Edomites are the descendants of, of Esau. Um, who's Esau's brother? Or Jacob. Right, so um, they were always at odds, right? Um, Israel Jacob becomes the, um, the forerunner to God's people and the nation, whereas the, the, um, the line of Esau becomes the people of Edom, uh, who remain at odds uh, with the with the uh, the children of God um, through through this time, and so it's just interesting to see and understand that um, Lord Lord is prophesying here that He's not going to do this again. He, he'll not correct them again this way, uh, and be further encouraged. He has their enemies now in His sights. Not the Babylonians in this passage, but the, the Edomites, uh, who have been, uh, you know, a real thorn in their flesh, if you will, uh, for an awfully long time. So verse 21, this, is, this would be very encouraging to the people in the captivity. Rejoice uh, and be glad, uh, O daughter of Edom that dwelleth in the land of Uz. Now, Mike, I, I said there's prophecy here of their uh, judgment. Uh, I think when you get down to the end of verse 22, it's clear that Jeremiah is prophesying judgment of Edom. So you have to come back to verse 21 and say, what's going on there? He's telling them uh, to rejoice uh, and to be glad. 
Um, I think this is intended to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek here. Uh, you know, like, rejoice and be glad, uh, O daughter of Edom. Um, I don't think he means that literally. I think it's, it's sort of tongue-in-cheek. Uh, wealth in the land of Uz. The cup also shall pass through unto thee. The kind of difficulty, that judgment at the hand of God we are experiencing, it's, it's coming your way. Uh, thou shalt be drunken and shalt make thyself naked. You, you are going to suffer greatly as a result of your sin as well. Verse 22 again, the punishment of thy iniquity is accomplished, O daughter of Zion. He will no more carry thee away into captivity. He will visit thine iniquity, O daughter of Eden. He will discover thy sins. And so, yep, there's, there's hope in everything that we've seen because it's the correction that God knows they need. Uh, there's hope for the people here in that they are being told that they will not experience this again. And there's hope for the people here because they're being told that the Lord is gonna turn his wrath eventually from them as they're corrected to their enemies, the Edomites, and they will suffer the wrath of God also. Zach, is there hope there? Yeah, so even in a passage that is so difficult and so, you know, almost unthinkable, there's, there's great hope here. Uh, some of it you have to really kind of think through. Uh, yeah, this is God working to correct his people because he loves them and he knows what it will take to correct them. You have to kind of, you know, dig in and, uh, and choose to see that. But then the Lord says very plainly and overtly, this is it. I'm not going to do this again. I'm going to turn my attention to correcting your enemies. Great, great hope. We'll stop there and pray. Father, thank you, uh, Lord, tonight uh, for difficult passages like this one. Lord, we are reminded again tonight that sure enough, sin does have consequences. Lord, we're reminded tonight that you're a God who, who corrects his people Lord, because you love us, sometimes we need to be corrected. Lord, I pray tonight that when we are tempted to sin, that we consider the terrible consequences that even a small sin or sin that seems small in our eyes might have, not just for ourselves, but for others around us. Lord, give us hearts to yield to you and to look to you for strength to not give in. Lord, thank you tonight that we, we can know from your word that there's always a way of escape and there's always grace available from you as we yield to you to take that way of escape. Lord, help us never lose sight of that. And Lord, when we find ourselves in a place of correction, chastening, I pray tonight that we not be angry about that. You give us hearts to be thankful for it. It means we have a God who cares about us enough to correct us. A God who loves us enough to not leave us alone. But to enter into our lives and to... accomplish our correction. Lord, thank you. Lord, when we see people around us being corrected, give us hearts to 
pray, to encourage, to exhort, to lovingly admonish, and to be reminded sin has consequences. Father, I thank you again tonight that the ultimate consequence of hell and all of the unthinkable horrors that it entails is not something that we need to worry about. Lord, I pray tonight that we rejoice in that truth. We have a certain hope of heaven and a certain hope of avoiding the horrors of hell. Lord, help us to have hearts filled with gratitude and to walk with you and to worship you from that place, to obey you from a place of gratitude and love. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Zach, you come, please. All right, let's uh, stand as we turn to number 280. We'll sing the beautiful Garden of Prayer 280. There's a garden where Jesus is waiting. There's a place that is wondrously fair. For it glows with the light of his presence. Tis the beautiful garden of prayer. Oh, the beautiful garden, the garden of prayer. Oh, the beautiful garden of prayer. There my Savior awaits, and he opens the gates to the beautiful garden of prayer. There's a garden where Jesus is waiting. And I go with my burden and care Just to learn from his lips words of comfort In the beautiful garden of prayer Oh, the beautiful garden, the garden of prayer Oh, the beautiful garden of prayer There my Savior awaits And he opens the gates To the beautiful garden of prayer there's a garden where Jesus is waiting, and he bids you to come meet him there. Just to bow and receive a new blessing in the beautiful garden of prayer. Oh, the beautiful garden, the garden of prayer. Oh, the beautiful garden of prayer. There my Savior awaits, and he opens the gates to the beautiful garden of prayer. Amen. You may be seated. 